Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. M-S-W Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. We are Frangela, and welcome to... The Final Word! The Final Word with Frangela! The Final Word. 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 We want to thank you for joining us here on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network and MSW Media because you are amazing. We hope you had a fantastic holiday season because let me tell you something, baby. I did. And we deserve <laughs> it. We all deserved it. I, I took you so many naps. It. Let me tell you, this year is going to act correct. Th- thank you. Because we're tired. I'm really yes. tired. And we need to get our rest on because this is a very busy year. It's a very busy year. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Speaking of busy, we want to thank you all because this has, again, been a busy season for contributing to Patreon and keeping this Black woman-owned business. That's what it is. That's right. Rolling and happening. And we just really, really want to thank you, everybody who has contributed to Patreon, everybody who posts us, likes us, stars us, shares us. Thank you. Yes, we could not be more grateful and and more in need, and I think more deserving. <laughs> so, do do everyone a favor and right the wrongs of the world by becoming a Patreon supporter of of us and of your favorite places, but mostly us. Yes, and you know what we get to do uh, right after this? We have two new cameo requests already. That's Thank wonderful. you so much. That's we- how we start. That's how we start the year. And you know, you know exactly how to get this 2024 rolling. By going to Cameo.com, putting in Frangela and get a specialized video. Do it. Do it now. You can give it as a gift. It's an amazing gift, especially if you forgot and you're like sitting next to the person. You need to get them a gift real quick. You don't even have to speak. You can be doing it on your phone while they're in the bathroom. And then yep. you're like, I get it today. It'll be here in a minute. <laughs> the earth latest. <laughs> Do it. Uh, also, we have a show coming up. Yes. And we, uh, we're, we're going to have more show dates, but you know they can't tell us things until they're set because we don't know how to keep our mouths shut. <laughs> we're going to be in San Francisco the uh, 20th of this month. So if you are in the area or just want to fly on in, come check out the Sexy Liberal Indictment Tour. Lots and lots of amazing, amazing stuff going on there. And always join us for the third hour of the, of the Stephanie Miller Show for Fridays with Frangela. Do it. It's totally yeah. fun. We will, I believe... You're going to hear this on the Friday before we're back, but mama's back next week. Mm-hmm. So we will be, everybody will be back to business. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So what's, 
now we're back into the thick of it. Hamas deputy leader killed in Beirut blast. An alleged Israeli drone attack killed the deputy head of Hamas in a Beirut suburb, uh, apparently on Tuesday. Israel did not comment officially, but two senior U.S. officials confirmed to the New York Times that Israel was responsible. Hamas condemned the strike. You know, how, how you going to condemn the strike? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which Lebanon's prime minister called an attempt to drag Lebanon into the Israel-Hamas war. A U.S. official told the Times the killing was likely the first of many covert strikes against Hamas leaders linked to the group's deadly October 7th surprise attack in southern Israel. To me, at the end of the day, this is what should have been happening. You know, you targeted assassinations. Yeah, the targeted strikes against their leaders, because the only people when I'm looking at over 11,000 kids dead. Yeah. Who just from the happenstance of where they were born, born into a place that they can't fucking get out of. Yeah. Because it's a pen for people. Okay. It's an oppressive pen. And you know what? And, and you know what? And I am just, you know, all of it. I am so sick and tired of it all, you know, because it is because calling that out is not anti-Semitic. No, it's anti-Israel and th that government. Well, it's anti a certain set of policies. Yeah. And policies, sure, you know, a practice. Uh, but but that's not anti-Semitic. No, but, you know, and it's it, it's very annoying to me like that, that we can't you know, it's really hard to have this conversation. Um, but it, I, I do think people need to hear this. Like, I, I don't know. I'm gonna be clear. Let me be really clear about this. If there's one area of the, of discussion or the world that I feel uniquely unqualified, it's this, the Middle East, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, and what I know, and I think that this is where it gets very complicated and hard is that I have feelings about it, but That's my, right. my information is right. not where it should be to be a decision maker. But what I feel is that what happened October 7th is beyond recognition horrific. And yeah. that what need that that I understand holding to account and to justice the perpetrators of that. I also yep. how I understand that that is an extremely difficult thing to accomplish. This whole uh, war, that is, yes, that's a part of it, but it feels more punitive to an entire population than about achieving justice for the people who are still being held and the people who've been killed. And this, and it feels in the most inadequate way for me to say it this way, it feels at best sloppy and at worst vaguely genocidal, really close to an attempt at some sort of, you know, genocide here. And mm -hmm. that's not okay. It's not okay. So and, and can I just say this too? Because it's going, it's linking into this next converse, this next topic that's on the page mm -hmm. uh, in our running order. But like, you know, I watch a lot of Fox News. And I am so disgusted with adults, with how they are viewing young people and their feelings about this conflict. Yeah. Because, you know, much like the Vietnam War, you know, where 
the adults felt very different than the kids who had to go and die, you -hmm. know? I feel like I'm looking at our kids and they're going, we don't want any children dying. That no, there is there has got to be a different answer to this conflict, you know, than what we are choosing. And when I watch people on Fox just sit around going, what's happening on our college campuses now? These kids don't understand. Yeah, kids do understand death. Mm-hmm. They they understand people dying. And just because you tell them to think a certain kind of way doesn't make won't make them feel that way or think that way. I resent the the the, the lie that this that these people care about anti-Semitism. I know. They're anti-Semitic. They they absolutely a thousand percent pursue an anti-Semitic and anti-everything that isn't uh white, uptight, right, you know heterosexual yes gender normed you know that's that so th- they don't care about they're they're down with anti-semitism what they're not down with is black women being the president of harvard what they're no. not down with <laughs> you know no no so but that's but i mean i think because that's where where we're going with this but i think that that we have talked about this every time we talk about this conflict we talk about the difficulty surrounding having a conversation and i think that there's a couple things at work that are true for any conversation that's that's hard especially in areas of that we are not good at in this country like race ethnicity you know issues of social justice and inclusivity we're gonna all have to be okay with being uncomfortable and i we're gonna have to be okay with that can i also just say that what we're offering here is the same thing that everybody else is offering out here is an opinion it's an opinion it's an opinion And I get to, because this is my program, I get to give my opinion of what I am seeing, experiencing, filtering through my POV perspective and experience as a Black woman in this country. Through all of that. That's why you you show up. Have you felt um, attacked for your opinion? in this space or in social, have you gotten some sort of pushback or cause it sounds like it. You know what? I have not, but you know what? This is the thing. I do feel like, you know what it is? What you're hearing in my voice is is that that I feel feel like like it it is is all walking on a really sharp blade, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to cut myself and I don't want to cut anybody else. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I don't want to, I don't want to. It's a dangerous topic coming and going. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want to harm somebody. Because the thing is your commentary can be misunderstood, misconstrued and cut up and edited in such a way out of context so that, you know, um, and we'll we'll talk about it, um, that, your point of view, whatever it is, can get lost. And then people just sort of start reacting. And you can't, what we know is you can't unroll a ride. You know, you can't, once it's out there in a certain way, it's very hard to roll back. And, and, And by very hard, I mean, 
pretty much impossible. And once the accusation has been made, there are people, there is a, for example, there is a comedian that we've met in subsequent years, but I, years ago, before we knew this person, they'd been accused in a very public way of child abuse, of committing child mm-hmm. abuse. And this person, um, very well-known, very famous, uh, then we sort of, they kind of dropped off of the sort of larger radar, but they've always been there working. And so when this person, when we did finally meet this person years later, I want, I was like, why do I have this sort of vague association mm-hmm. of, of this accusation? And so I went back and looked it up. And the truth of that so-called accusation was this person was going through a very contentious divorce. Yep. And the abuse that had been alleged when you read what was alleged was, it was, you know, not actually abuse and was it, right. was, it, it just sounds it was it was some it was some it was some cookies minutia that it, it, depending on how you cook it yeah that could sound really bad right yes. but that in fact in practice was not and that was real was absolutely dropped and was absolutely not a thing um but was just people behaving badly in their their decoupling uncoupling mm-hmm. And unfortunately, though, that tarnish was always in my head, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we don't often do the work to look it up. So, for example, every commentary as we move on into the discussion of the Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, resigning. Um, when you look up, I've heard I've seen article after article, report after report talking about accusations of plagiarism without telling you what those accusations are. Yep. And so I went and looked it up. And. You know, we'll move there more fully in a minute, but I think that the problem with this, one of the big problems with this discussion is what we see over and over again is when people try to have an opinion, especially if that opinion is, I do not agree with this policy of this government in Israel, there is a, there are a group of people who call, who, who just immediately yell anti-Semitic. Semitic yeah. immediately. And then you get painted with the brush. And then being in a defensive position always makes you feel wrong. You look wrong because you're defending yourself. Why are you defending yourself if there's nothing to defend? And yet the process of standing there and saying, I've said what I've said and I and I stand behind it and I'm not anti-Semitic and this is my opinion, that doesn't help. So no. it's like this really awful situation where everything you've done your entire life gets erased because of this one idea. And here's the deal with life. Speaking out in public means people get to react. There's yes. no such thing, in my opinion, as some an unjust cast cancellation, if you will. People have the right to not listen to us. People have the right to make a decision that without information, like they get to make a decision based on whatever they want. They're individual people. And if people are going to look at and listen to us and say that we're this or that, they're going to do it. Yeah. All I can do is try to be as clear as I possibly can and exactly with the words that come out of my mouth. And I do make mistakes. I have made mistakes. And if I do, I want to hear about it. Or if there's a way I could be more clear, let me know. Mm -hmm. Well, Harvard's board backed gay. You know, the whole situation, watching Elise Stefanik play her gotcha screaming. If you don't know what happened, let's tell the people what happened. Sure. So... The because of this conflict and the issues happening on campus, our Congress called or the House called all these presidents of these universities that they identified as having what they called anti-Semitic rhetoric happen on their campuses, particularly in regards to the October 7th attack by Hamas. And I want to say this in this way. 
Jewish students in, on these campuses have been saying, and I hear them and believe them, we don't feel safe. Let me start there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because as a black person, as a black woman, as a woman, when I hear people's lived experience, I'm not here to say, sit here and tell them how they should or should not feel what, if yeah. it is or is not happening to them. These people are saying they are having a lived experience where they do not feel safe exactly. on campus. And I could identify with that feeling. That's right. I want to start there. Okay. There also are students who are Arab and you know, Palestinian and what what have you, who also don't feel safe on campus. We just saw three young boys be shot because of where they come from in this country. Yeah. So what the, the thing is, this is my my issue here is are we servicing everybody? Or are we servicing no one? Because to me, I think we need to service everybody. So the the services at school, and I and here's the thing. I am all about if somebody is saying us calling somebody a slur, making somebody feel uncomfortable, creating environments in which people don't feel safe to be to walk on campus, get that shit fixed. Mm-hmm. But this person, because I feel like, you know, it feels like the red scare all over again. Well, I think it's, it absolutely is. And it's even, I think a thousand times worse because it, what, what she got in trouble for was this woman has, was pressed. She's the first black president of Harvard <laughs> and she, and, and, they, and they tore it down. They tore it down in less than 200 days. She wasn't in that office. She was in there 185 days before she she resigned because of the controversy. Now, the first controversy was, in fact, that she was a black woman. And so there's this activist. His name is Christopher Rufo. And he um, he's called a conservative activist. I call him an anti-democratic fascist ter domestic terrorist wannabe. Mm -hmm. He is the leader. He's the person who got everybody to know that there's this thing called um, race. What's it called? Oh, my God. CRT? Yes. Ooh, critical race theory. Mm -hmm. He's the person who got that work term out there and demonized it and convinced people it was some sort of thing that was happening when it isn't outside of a law school. And so that's who he is. Now, there he's been very clear that this was a victory. So he specifically went after her and getting and they've been they have, as he is very clear about a coordinated attempt to go after campuses, college campuses, and particularly uh, institutions in any way that deal with diversity, you know, inclusiveness and equity. They want to put an end to DEI. They think that college campuses are bastions of liberalism. And mm -hmm. so their goal is to tear them down and to tear it down. And he's very clear. She was just a target. So they yep. start with she's not qualified. Yep. Right. Because that's the first place you start, even though she was an easy pick at that school. She was she'd been she got her one of her degrees there, her graduate degree. She's highly acclaimed. She's written all these articles. She worked there forever. Nobody was surprised. It was one of their shortest hiring processes ever, apparently. So that was the first critique. Then they went in and then October 7th happened. And so all of the colleges, you know, there was obviously an increase in some really harsh uh, rhetoric and and issues on campus for 
all the communities involved. Um, but so they call this congressional hearing. And so she comes, you know, the president of Harvard, uh, gay comes and to, and she gets prepped for this testimony because it's obviously, it's very, as you said earlier, for instance, very gotcha yeah. testimony. But the whole point is we want a soundbite that we can use as conservative people attacking diversity, right. equity, inclusion. We need something we can, we can, you know, tweet and whatever else. So, um, she goes on to this thing and a lot of people gave this testimony, but this is the testimony that gets focused on. And they ask her and it's Stefanik, uh, representative Elise Stefanik, who is also a Harvard alum. And they ask her if, and if it's considered against Harvard policy for somebody to, to call for the complete destruction of Israel, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not the exact wording, but that's basically what it was. And she gave a very structured, yep. lukewarm, badly prepped in that it wasn't definitive enough response, but it was, it was a, had gone through their legal team, had gone through the school response. And partly Harvard had put out through her office, I think, Harvard, Harvard had put out a statement after October 7th condemning the attack, but students on campus, several student organizations on Harvard's campus, like 30, I think, had come together and demanded that the university put out a statement saying what happened on October 7th was entirely Israel's fault. Right. So these organizations wanted that. They wouldn't do that. So then then the, them calling for that got into the press and the news. And that's what spurred them, you know, this house, this panel of let's mm -hmm. get liberalism out of college campuses that we perceive the McCarthyism of it. That's how that ends up happening. So that's sort of the back history of it. She's sitting there. She gives this lukewarm sort of and I think it was better than lukewarm, but she's basically saying no. For you to call on the, you know, the destruction of Israel or the, that would not, uh, would not in letter defy our policies because it's free speech. She gave the, she gave the handbook explanation mm -hmm. and got fired for being the face of that, of, of Harvard. Well, she didn't, they actually, they came out in support of her. But, but, but they came out in support of her. But, but, but the, the, this is the, the thing. The end result was to get, was she's was not to get rid there. of her. But, That's but, right. But the reality is that Harvard did support her after this. Then came out, they came at her, this group of people, this activist came yep. at her with the plagiarism. So here's the deal. So I, you know, I look up the plagiarism and this is the deal, the plagiarism. And I've read articles from the Harvard Crimson Tide, whatever it's called, paper and NPR and all over the place. And what they said is while the this is from um, an article from NPR, while the allegations themselves ranged from no more than three repeated words to numerous repeated lines without attribution, the conservative activists at their root made close to 50 plagiarism allegations in total. That's this Christopher uh, F. Rufo guy. Uh, this, what, what basically, and so they've had other people, other academics, whatever, look at the work. She apparently requested when these things were brought to her attention, requested uh, changes that basically quotations be put around certain phrases. So mm -hmm. imagine if, if, if you were writing an article about critical race theory and you kept saying critical race theory and right. basically what they're saying with the allegations seem to boil down to is she didn't put quotes around every time she said critical race theory. Right. In, in her citing, let me tell you something. My daughter, Abigail is going through this level of learning right now, right? Research. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, footnotes. Right, yeah. all that. And I get it. No, but they, their whole goal is to get rid of her. It's, it's not get rid an of actual, her. it's not a concern. It's not real. It's not real. And then you don't have to have, this is the problem with riding dirty. You don't have to have the intent. The, her detractors didn't have to have righteous intent. They, they don't. But what they were able to do was talk long enough and hard enough that people kept talking about allegations of plagiarism, allegations of plagiarism, allegations yep. of plagiarism. So what people hear is she plagiarized. Yep. Why are there so many allegations if it didn't happen? I heard it with Hillary. There's just too many negative things being said about her. Something's got to be true. So that in academia, there is no greater sin, right? Yep. So the, once that started happening... That and it wasn't going away, and it has every article says it. This and the October 7th comments, which by the way, were not as we said, not October 7th comments. Um, she was defending free speech in a very lukewarm, as you put yes. it, I think, absolutely like non handbook, yeah, like nothing about this is weird or unique or even remotely controversial. But it got identified as her. You and see, yes. this is the thing about, and this is the reason as you've talked about it and what have you, uh, why I was saying about walking on a fucking knife's edge. Because when you're a black woman, you don't get to have an opinion. And she wasn't offering her fucking opinion. She wasn't. She didn't offer an opinion. That's There's no opinion offered. And that's what they're mad about. They're mad and angry because she didn't sit there and go, of course, I don't want Jewish people to be killed. Of course, that's silly. But that's that that wasn't her role. Her role was she was there as the president of Harvard and she gave Harvard's answers. And it's the administrator, the head administrator of this university. That's right. She's saying that, you know, what the truth, which is an organization on campus can they can say things. It's sort it's the fire in a crowded movie theater, right? They can say and do a lot of things until they actually cross a certain legal threshold. And that has to be that has to be really we have to be careful about that because we don't want to impede people's ability to speak and to have ideas, even those ideas that we find reprehensible or don't like. And in fact, there's nothing in her commentary that was ever even, the, the fact is the, the university, they refused to condemn Israel. It's, yeah. You know, but but that didn't matter because the real goal here, and this is the, the, the campaign against her, against gay and other Ivy League presidents has become part of a broader right-wing effort to remake higher education, which has often been seen as a bastion of liberalism. Republican detractors have sought to gut funding for public universities, roll back tenure and banish initiatives that make colleges more welcoming to students of color, disabled students, and the LGBTQ plus community. They have also aimed to limit how race and gender are discussed in classrooms. And when they got successfully got rid of her, okay, Christopher Rufo was very clear that this was a win for them. Yep. That they yep. took themselves and they held themselves as responsible for this, for her ousting. And that was exactly what they were going for. And he said the thing that I think we really need to pay attention to. He said, this is just the beginning. Yep. You cannot repeat these people they will not be a pe I, people i hear people say it all the time that there's a way to do things so that they won't be upset their goal is to get rid of you they yep. are never going to stop when you capitulate to them you just give them more energy and more fire 
Well, you know, all I hear on every, every single pundit in the Republican Party is like, yeah, we told you, you'd just be making Trump more powerful if you, you know, you brought these these allegations and, and indictments. And now, you know, the only way to beat Trump is at the ballot box. I'm like, fuck you. No, as we take away, we try to take away your ballot box. That's right. <laughs> as we literally district you out of voting and then try and then literally steal. People are on trial for stealing ba the ballot boxes. That is why Sidney Powell in trouble. That's right. U.S. asked Supreme Court to let it cut Texas razor wire on border. I'm going to read that again. The United States, this country, the federal government asked the Supreme Court to allow it to cut razor wire on Texas's border. Let me tell you. Where is this? Hmm. Yeah. How would you feel? This is an idea. Now, I don't know why we're not getting calls from the Biden administration for strategy <laughs> ideas. I can only assume that we're just so that they wanted to give us the holiday season. Right, right, right. And that they're going to start calling next week or something, you know, because mm -hmm. they polite. How would you feel if Biden, if this was Biden's press conference today, if he came out and said, hi, y'all. Hello. Is this on? Hello. OK. Hello. I'm your president. You know me, Joe. Here's the situation. We go. We charge of the damn border y'all ain't into <laughs> texas oh y'all none of y'all in charge of the border i don't care what's what border north south east but is we in charge we the federal government so here's what's gonna happen take your shit down are we taking it down today by 12 and we're not gonna do it nicely so you can return it for your deposit so just either get that razor wire down or it's going down today you don't have to ask nobody this is your job yeah like and just and i'm like just stand up and say look this is what's happening period bam done how would you feel about that if you saw president biden come out and say that i would love it exactly i would love it i would adore it the u.s court of appeals for the fifth circuit in new orleans last month sided with texas which sued the Department of Homeland Security under state trespass laws after Border Patrol agents cut barbed wire installed by state officials. U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogar, I believe, argued in court papers that Congress had given the Border Patrol the right to enter private property to enforce federal border laws and that state governments can't override federal authority over immigration. The, the president here is extremely important and dangerous because the Supreme Court doesn't care, this Supreme Court, the conservative uh, fascists on it, don't care about hypocrisy at all. They, they clearly at this point, I can only, they only care about their personal agendas. And to say, for the Supreme Court to say that a state can override federal law, then why can't the state court override Supreme Court law? Exactly. Like, exactly. I, I mean... So we're not a United States at that point. We're 50 individual countries. Well, and here we go. Because you know what? And it's the thing that I'm always looking at. I want I want border money from all these people when they get our fruit and vegetables. If this is exactly. how we're going to play, this is how we're going to play. Exactly. Exactly. It's like either we have states' rights or we Thank don't. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We've, and we've been through this war. We've been through this war. Can we talk about a refusal to accept a loss? <laughs> Here we go.
Trump asked the Supreme Court to keep his name on the Colorado ballot. Because here's my problem. Is it states' rights? I'm sorry, you can write in his name. Yeah, you can. They're not taking away anybody's ability to vote for him. No. As far as I understand it. So vote for him. Write his name in. He doesn't have to. So he's not on the ballot. But this is my thing. Ha ha. You sat there and you created an insurrection. You did not want to leave government. You didn't want to leave the job. People saw you. You didn't go quietly in the night, asshole. And, you know, you left a, a fucking trail of bodies five feet high. And you're still doing it. And still doing it. And we're not supposed to notice. Yeah, that not only I'm I'm surprised there should be there should be at least fifteen different states that kick his ass off the ballot. Well, frankly, every at state least. should. But like, I don't, you know. But the reality here is, but these people don't care about things making sense, and it's and it's the thing that's kept me off of cable news in the last couple weeks because those shows they're just their opinion shows all day long, and it's the same message all day. And nothing, there's no information. There was a school shooting today. You're not, if you're watching these channels, you bear, you might've missed the single minute they spent on it. Yep. So, because what they're doing all day long is, is Biden and King and King King and, and, you know, and Trump, you know, Trump watch, Trump watch. And, and, and they're not actually getting anywhere in that discussion. They're no. just, they're just stuck in the same garbage. Um, and it's, it's very frustrating, but yeah, he's asking the Supreme court, which by the way, he doesn't really respect at all anyway. No, no. <laughs> to put his name, like. And, and here's the thing for me, I I'm looking at. When will you hear the message? Will when will you understand that the violent threats are coming from inside of this country, coming from inside of that party, coming from inside of that man's leadership? At least six states were forced to evacuate their state capitals after receiving bomb threats. No explosives were found. And federal official, officials dismissed the threats as a hoax, which was sent uh, via a mass email titled Explosives Inside your, of Your State Capitol. I'm telling you. These people are, can I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that when you send your, your bomb threat letter, you, sh you have to be eloquent necessarily. Well, but no. explosives inside of your state capitol, like could, could you jazz that up a little? You know 23 states. 23 states. Yeah. These people are terrorists. They are domestic terrorists. I don't know why we have such a hard time with, and also can I, I say it all the time, Francis, I'm going to have to say it again. Why is it so hard for people, and particularly the punditry, to believe that these people are actually white supremacists and not just trying to appeal to a base? Why is that so hard for them to believe that Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, all these people are actually white nationalists and not just dabbling in the words that they don't actually believe in. How do you want to tell me what they do and don't believe in? Are you inside their souls? Are you in their heads? Like, I can only judge what people do and say and what they do and say is 
all of these things, racist, terrorists, they make, not only they make threats, they carry them out. January 6th, all of those people, all these representatives got sent. Remember the, the what do you call it, powder? Yes, niacin. Yeah, they all got sent. Or ricin. What, what, ricin or niacin. It, what, what, what was a nutrient? Don't lick either one of them because I'm not sure. We know which one is which, but what? <laughs> I don't know which one's which, y'all. One of them is on, I've seen it on the Flintstones. Uh, yes, and that's safe. That's the I good think, one. I think, I think that's the niacin. I think that's niacin. <laughs> one, no, don't lick, just don't lick nothing. <laughs> don't lick it. Don't, don't lick, lick anything it. today. We'll be right back after these messages. It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. Welcome back. Former Kentucky official ordered to mm. pay same-sex couples mm. lawyers. <laughs> mm. Ah, yeah. Ooh. Let me tell you, sometimes the news gets to me like a good beat. And when I read former Kentucky official, Rowan County clerk, Kim Davis, she been ordered to pay $260,000 in fees and expenses to attorneys who represented <laughs> the gay people. She didn't want to let get married. The judgment added another $100,000 in damages to those People also, and then Kim tried to say, this is her lawyers tried to say, this is outrageous. And the judge was like, no, it's not. Damn. <laughs> Gavel. If you were feeling bad, I just want you to think about Kim Davis having to sit down and write checks. That's right. For the rest of her natural born hate money off of this life. Remember, she made money off of this. People started she sending sure her GoFundMe money. Give it back. Yep. Give it up. Kim, this is how you shut people up. This is uh, this is my whole point about all the shit that's going down is, is that until you not only shut up Donald Trump, that's but right. everybody who licked his little furry orange balls. Mm, that is a horrible image. You know what? You owe us all an apology <laughs> for this. That is not <laughs> in my damn head. Oh, God. <laughs> Everybody, everybody that fondled it, they small, so you gotta get all up in between his thighs. I'm sorry. I'm telling <laughs> and they sweaty. They oh sweaty and pink. And prickly. Ew. Prickly. They're sweaty oh. and oh, no, Lord. Jesus. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, I'm the so odor. Sorry. I just can't. No, no, okay. This has gone too far. <laughs> Way too far. And speaking of going too far. A federal appeals court ruled that Texas hospitals and doctors are not required to perform emergency abortions, despite the Biden administration arguing that federal guidance takes priority over state law. Despite the fact that there are emergency procedures that are needed to save a life. 
That's right. And that you have taken a Hippocratic oath to help people, not harm them. You are under no obligation to become a doctor. But you know what? But this is about, again, power over women's body and power over women. And over their lives. Quite clearly, because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. That's right. That's right. Because I don't, here's the thing. If I'm a doctor, I don't, I don't get to ask how you got shot and got that bullet hole in you when you're bleeding out on the table. Or and if I don't yeah. think and agree with how that hole got in you, we do a whole fucking bit about this. Oh, or, if I, I mean, don't agree, yeah. then I don't work on you. That's, that's simply not how it works. Apparently, unless you're a woman. Then I do get to, because quite frankly, I don't think that we should give erectile dysfunction medication to people over a certain age. How yeah. about that? You know why? Because why are you having children that you can't be alive to take care of? Yep. Like that's, and I don't really feel this way, but I, but it's an argument and I, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's absolutely insane to me. You know, the woman, the woman that they're charging, um, with, destruction or uh vandal vandalizing isn't the word when you um are inappropriate with a corpse mm -hmm. you know uh do illegal disposal illegal disposal but it's more than that it's like doing something the way that the law works is that doing something that people would find offensive yeah there's this woman who had a miscarriage and she had a miscarriage and they kept refusing to give her care at the hospital and so she's a black woman um she um had a miscarriage and when she was in the bathroom going to the bathroom and attempted to flush the toilet and i guess it, it got stuck and she was at the hospital and the hospital afterwards because she had to have a dnc which is basically to remove the placenta and because that you'll die from that from that leftover you know tissue and such being inside you um and so she had that and then the hospital informed the police they should go get the body which isn't a body because it never actually breathed. It yeah. wasn't a corpse um, because it died in womb, you know, in, in uterine. So the police went there and it was stuck. So they took the entire toilet to the mortuary or whatever, and they broke the toilet and got what the remains out. And they are charging her with this felony that could put her in jail for this. Because you know why? Because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to go just like the reason why we have modern information about how to deal with our ovaries and uterus and what have you. You know who they first tried all of that stuff on in America? Mm -hmm. Black women. That's right. Slaves. Her name is Brittany Watts, and she's uh, a black woman in Ohio. And for me... This is a continuance of Black women being utilized and worked on in a different kind of way. They are testing, again, utilizing a Black woman to test their theories on how can we uh, put women away? That's right. What can we do? Because ain't nobody going to care about her like they did the white woman in Texas who everybody came. And, I, and, it, and I'm not, I, you know, I hate that it makes me angry. But where is that woman's? Where is Brittany's backup? 
Well, there's, you know, a body of evidence that shows that black women are disproportionately criminalized while pregnant. That's right. Um, and it's, we all know, we've been following obviously the, the, the situation for Kate Cox, who had left the state of Texas mm-hmm. in order to terminate her unviable pregnancy. Um, and, you know, this woman was hemorrhaging. She was going mm-hmm. to die emergency hemorrhaging and the i you know the fact that the hospital contacted the police department would sue them too is so egregious to me it's a violation of your privacy like i'm trying to understand how they get to call the police to tell them you've had a miscarriage like that's not how is that not a violation of your your privacy trying to suggest that this child died took a breath that's not happening right well, also the fact that we, uh, I, I'm, I'm disgusted that I'm talking about what was going on inside of Britney's body. I know. It is not my right. It is not, uh, it, it's disgusting. It is her privacy. It, I don't, you know what I mean? The, the fact that they are trying to jail this woman, uh, so, you know, this is a person who's supposed to be, we as a community in a world should be putting our arms around. She just lost a baby, mm-hmm. whether she wanted it or not. Okay. She went through a, a, a very painful physically, and I have no doubt emotionally, but physically painful and dangerous life-threatening situation, very publicly and shamefully, and has now been arrested. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, you know what? And for me, this is what I find. This is the the really frightening part about it is to keep women in these in these states in terror that your body. What if your body does not cooperate with you? What if your body rejects that pregnancy? How many women? How many couples? How many people have lost babies? And so. Every time that happens, and that happens a lot. Every time a woman loses a baby, now she has to not only feel that and deal with it, but now she's a criminal because her womb couldn't keep the baby inside of her. And understanding the only way to know if people are miscarrying is to track their periods and to track what's happening. It's it's a complete and utter ownership of women and yeah black women been owned in this country's history this is that's why i'm saying let's not act like let's not you know gynecology american gynecology is is as advanced as it is because they were practicing on black slaves they didn't give a fuck about cutting a baby out of a black woman they didn't give a fuck about cutting her open and using her and looking at her and experimenting on her. And it's the same fucking thing today. And that's my final word. Now it's time for emails, emails. Time to go get your emails. That's right. Thank you for writing us at frangela08 at gmail.com. Um, even if it takes a minute, we do respond to all of our emails and we thank you. Thank you. This first email is from Kathleen L. She's the subject is just a hug and a thank you. Thank you for being. You are the coffee for my cream and sugar. You are the warm Aww. hug on a cold day. Thank you. 
Thank you, Kathleen. But I tell you, we both got the like warmest, like, mm. I needed that. Like, I feel just like a kitten. It's like a little kitten wrapped up in, a, in somebody's wonderful, in Kathleen's lap, just laying there saying, thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you. Oh, and this next one is from Eileen. Mm -hmm. Yes. This morning you said this. You try, girl. You keep trying. You try, girl, to drag him into the light about Michael Steele. I love this. Yeah, she'd been watching Stephanie shows that she'd missed. Yes. Uh, she hadn't seen yet from early December, so she had just watched it. Eileen had just watched this one. We talked about how Michael Steele has a biscuit concussion. Yes, he does. Yes, it does. He's infirm. You've got to recognize he's a decent good man who's got some illness. Mm -hmm. She says, all the best in 24 and always. Thank you. I love it. This is from John T. John? Okay. He said, I, uh, he said, King a raccoon, bring a raccoon to a bar. <laughs> I have to wholeheartedly agree with Francis. Thank you. You should be able to bring a raccoon to a bar in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Montana. I would feel let down if I went into a bar in any of these states and there is not at least one raccoon in the bar. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? John, you are now officially a part of the problem. <laughs> John, John, let me tell you, first of all, I would like to tell you how incredibly intelligent you are. All right. And the fact is, you are absolutely right. I was being kind by just saying North Dakota. But John, John named all them freaky fucking states. Wyoming, Colorado, Montana. You should be able to have a fucking raccoon and all that shit. Uh, this is, you can't bring a raccoon nowhere, okay? <laughs> Don't, I, I'm not ceding this territory. <laughs> okay, you know what, Angela? I'm dying on this hill. This, <laughs> this is an important hill to die on. I don't know why, but I do. It's like the last linchpin to sanity, and I just cannot. I will not. You and John shall not pass with your raccoon. <laughs> And now it's time for resistance. We want you to go check out everywhereisqueer.com. Yes. Um, it's a worldwide queer owned community, uh, queer owned business map and online community hub. So you go there, it's a public resource, it's free. They've got a growing searchable map created for the LGBTQIA etc an ally community to find welcoming queer owned spaces to shop connect eat learn and grow all over the world even in your own neighborhood so please check it out and check out ways that you can be involved and even work with them and 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 if you have a business let them know let them know please i'm francis callier i'm angela v shelton we are frangela thank you so much for listening to the final word It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. <laughs>